Welcome aboard to week two of State Lines for the 2020 NFL campaign. Along with my co-host, John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. And if you caught us in week number one, I hope you did. Got some winners from both me and Mr. Spataro. John, I'm going to start the show by turning the floor over to you, because you did quite well, not only with your best bets, but also picking the Bears-Lions game. And hint, hint, I didn't feel very good about either one of our picks in that game until Mitchell Trubisky, I think, surprised the whole world in the fourth quarter. Oh, you said it, Jason. And yeah, it was great to get back to a, a really strong start. I had a pretty good year last year, so I was looking to continue with some of my momentum and ended up going 3-1 and one on the week. I obviously picked the Bears to cover that three-point spread. I had a feeling it was going to be a field goal game. I had no idea it was going to come down to Mitch Trubisky making some big throws in the last few minutes of that game. And like you said, I about gave up in the third quarter. I thought there was no chance the Bears were coming back. They surprised us all, and I'm going to go on record saying that might be the most brutal loss of the NFL season this year in week one. It, it, it's going to be hard to top losing in the fashion that the Lions did, but it's always great to get a winner, and it's always great to see the Bears win as well. My other three picks, I did pretty well. You remember I was trying a, a little bit of a new system without any fans in the stands. I was looking at some tough places to play and betting on the road team and I ended up winning on two of the three. Obviously, uh, everyone saw the beatdown in Minneapolis between the Packers and the Vikings. I was on the Packers' side. They were an underdog in that game, and they came out and steamrolled the Vikings, maybe without the skull chance, maybe without the sea of purple that's usually inside U.S. Bank Stadium. The Vikings are going to be a little bit of an easier opponent at home. I also picked the Seahawks. They took care of business as a road team. Although they were a road favorite, they took care of business in Atlanta against the Falcons and got their first win of the year. The only game I did lose, and it was a little bit of a stretch, I did get a little greedy, but it was a good number. It was over plus 200 for the Jets on the road in Buffalo. They didn't even have to leave their state, but they could not get it over the the Bills. They lost by 10 points, and the woes continue for the Jets. So I'm looking at the board already for the last segment and the best bets. I I, I have a feeling this is going to be a little bit of a strategy for me going forward. I'm looking for these new matchups, these different ways to look at some of these road games without the crowd and see how far I can ride this train. But 2-1 and one to start and 1-0 and oh in the Bears pick for the year. I will take that 10 times out of 10. Every single gambler will agree with you, John, because if you bring home 75% winners every week, let's just say Christmas will be real good in the Spataro household here in 2020. So good week from John Spataro picking. And I, Jason Gotch, joined him as well, at least with the record. We had different games, but I also went 3-1, and 2-1 and one with the best bets. Also had the Bears plus the points last week. And, and again, that didn't look good until quarter number four. And I got to admit, in the third quarter, at halftime, even late in the second quarter, I was screaming at my television set saying, Matt Nagy, will you just put Nick Foles in the game? Guy's making 20 million bucks to sit on the bench. You didn't get him to sit out. And Mitch Trubisky and Matt Nagy both proved me wrong from a gambling perspective and a Bears fan perspective. I'm very happy about that. So Bears get me 1-0 with the Bears picks. The three best bets I had for you last week. I talked about this on last week's show. Shop for value when you bet games. A half a point to a novice gambler means absolutely nothing. To an experienced gambler, a half a point is gold, and it paid off for me with the Cincinnati Bengals. What an ugly loss in that game for the Bengals by three points at home to the the L.A. Chargers. 
They missed a field goal that would have tied it, a chip shot field goal. Their kicker, Bullock, got hurt on the play. But the Bengals covered the three and a half. So an easy winner with Cincinnati by the hook in that game for Jason Gotch. Loved the Rams outright against the Cowboys. I think Dallas is overrated this year. So I had the Rams plus three. They did win that game outright 20-17. to Did lose with the Falcons. John told us last week he liked the Seattle Seahawks. I took the Atlanta Falcons in that game plus the two points. They did not prove me correct losing 38-25. But again... 2-1 with the best bets, 1-0 with the Bears pick, so a 3-1 week, 75% winners for me, Jason Gotch, and for John Spataro. And, John, let's talk a little bit more about that Bears game real quick before we talk about the upcoming game this Sunday against the Giants as the Bears are laying 5.5 in that game at home, the home opener for the Bears. The total's 43, but you watch that game, it really was – Three ugly quarters for the Bears, a great fourth quarter offensively, yet if Matt Stafford's pass in the end zone with a few seconds left to go in that game is caught, the Bears are 0-1 instead of 1-0. Right, and it goes back to what I said last week, where from a betting perspective and at a fan perspective, it's impossible to peg this team. No matter what you try to do and and where you think they're going to score or when you think they're going to start to get something going, it can end in three straight incompletions or it can end in an interception or it can end in a fumble, sack, you name it. This offense seems to stall at moments when it looks like they have nothing but the end zone in mind and then suddenly they can pull off three scores in virtually 10 seconds like they did in Detroit and end up winning a game. I mean, Mitch Trubisky, for all the the you-know-what he's taken in the offseason and all the jokes that have been made at his expense, that's a big league NFL comeback. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done in the past. If you can win a game like that under the pressure that he has to be under, both internally and externally, he he put together a great game. And and really, when you look at the stats and, and you look at some of the other performances around the league, his stands up and he got it done. And congrats to Mitch for that. I also really like some of the running back action that we saw. Cordero Patterson coming out of the backfield for the first time as a true running back now is, is something exciting to watch going forward. Jimmy Graham, who knew that he still had some of the moves that he had to probably should have two touchdowns in that game. He got stopped at the one yard line, but still things looked good. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to, to jump on the Bears bandwagon fully like we were at the beginning of last year just yet. But it's an important win. If you can't beat the Lions, you're going to have a tough time getting some ground in the division. So if the Bears can continue this into the next week, I'll, I'll kind of seg us into the next uh, the next game here. There's going to be a lot of excitement if the Bears can go 2-0, and and specifically if Mitch can play like he did in the fourth quarter and lead them to 2-0 and this week. Yes, John, it would have been ugly if the Bears would have lost that game at the end the way they came back because Lions are going to Lion. You think about the Lions under Matt Patricia. They've been terrible holding fourth-quarter leads. They blew another one against the Bears, and the Bears thankfully held on for that victory. And there were a lot of positive things for the Bears, some concerning things too. I love Corderell Patterson, like you said, running the ball. Still a little concerned about David Montgomery long-term, concerned about the defense at times against the Lions, though Matt Stafford is an experienced quarterback. But as you said, let's segue into Bears and the Giants by the lakefront. Again, the home opener for the Bears, but as you made the observation last week, how much does home field advantage really matter with no fans in the stands? And that will be the case this weekend at Soldier Field on Sunday, the noon kickoff central time. The total in the game is 43. Uh, The way I look at this one is I don't trust the Giants at all. Saquon Barkley was terrible in a Monday night loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers in New Jersey in the Giants, a season opener on their 
their own field. Barkley's still a good running back, but Daniel Jones, the second-year quarterback out of Duke, started pretty good last year for the Giants when he became the starter. Uh, had a nice comeback win in Tampa, I believe, in his first career start. But since that point, he's been trending downward. Uh, two picks to go along with two touchdowns, so nothing great against the Steelers, albeit Pittsburgh's a pretty good team. But I look at this one and I say uh, the Bears on their own field against a guy who I think is a below-average quarterback, a running game that, that wasn't very good, even though they have a good running back in Barkley. It wasn't very good, the running game against the Steelers. I like the Bears' defense to take care of business in this game and Mitch Trubisky to be a guy that, that again, does enough to get the Bears the win here, even though I'm not necessarily sold. He's the long-term solution or even the guy who's going to be starting midway through the season. But I think the Bears start off 2-0, and I like them to cover this spread. I look at 5.5, and, and I think they cover that one at home. Uh, and I think it goes under. I, I think this is a game that has 27-13 written all over it. Uh, could be one of those 24-10 to games. I don't think the Giants' offense is going to do much. Uh, against that Bears defense, and I think that Bears defense might be able to give the offense a short field on a series or two that's going to lead the Bears scoring some points. But I, I like the under here, John, and I'm going to take the Bears and lay that five and a half points. Even though I'm not normally a favorite player, I, I hesitate with favorites. I like the Bears in this one. I like everything you just said, and and I want to highlight one very important part of all that is, is that it, it's kind of between two performances, right? Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, the, the engines of the Giants offense, really didn't get it going in their first game against the Steelers. The Steelers actually looked pretty good in that game with uh, Roethlisberger back at quarterback. So maybe they were just playing a pretty good team. But if you're really trying to predict an offensive explosion from either of the, these two teams, I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm really looking heavy on the under here. Um, the, the odds are not in the favor for the Bears that they're going to find some sort of consistent offense for four quarters. It, it, it just hasn't been the case these last, oh, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 games that Mitch Trubisky has been leading them out on the field. There's a chance for them to score points and spells like they did last week. I mean, they scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, 14 points, seemingly out of nowhere. So it's possible, but I'm looking with you for a low-scoring dragon game with you know maybe 17 14 maybe you know 21 to, to 20 something like that if it, if it comes down to a an extra point here or there or, or a late field goal so definitely feeling the under definitely feeling not so good about the spread I mean five and a half is just kind of a weird spot do you think the Bears are going to win by a touchdown I don't know if they really have the stopping power to put teams away I think they're going to win games like they did in Detroit falling on their back and and you know defending as much as they possibly can until the clock runs out and, and not really pulling away. So for that reason, five and a half may be a little bit too high for me. I, I think the Bears have a good chance to win, probably a better chance than I thought that they would have to beat the Lions. But I feel so much better about the under than I do about the spread. So if you're going to make me make a pick, I'm going to go Bears to win, Giants to cover, and the under. That's just what I'm feeling for the first game back at Soldier Field. Okay, you heard it from John right there. We differ on the side, but we both agree the Bears are going to win that game. John has the Giants covering. I'm taking the Bears to cover. And we both also like the under in that contest. This is State Lines along with John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotch. One other Bears point, Cairo Santos, the kicker, subbing for Eddie Pinheiro, who's out for a few weeks with that groin injury. Very nice performance against the Detroit Lions. Granted, inside at Ford Field, a lot different outside at Soldier Field, though the weather's expected to be really good uh, this Sunday in Chicago. But still, the kicking position has been a question mark at times for the Bears in recent years since they, they parted ways with 
or Robbie Gold a few years ago. But from a betting perspective, the kicker matters. Don't let anybody fool you on that one. Uh, we're talking about covering by a half a point or a point and a half for a point. Every point matters, including those extra points and short field goals. So Bears betters at least got a good performance from Cairo Santos in week number one. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the other games in Week 2 in the National Football League. There's a really good one in, Monday, in the Monday night game this week. Also, uh, Tom Brady's got to try and get back on track, or his Buccaneers could fall to 0-2. Talk about some of the games around the league that we want to look at more in depth right after this brief timeout. You're listening to State Lines. where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. My name is Jason Gotch. I'm joined, as always, on the program by my co-host, John Spataro. In our opening segment of the program, we talked about our picks from week number one. John and I each hit two and one against the spread in our best bets. And we also were 1-0 and in picking the Bears game. We were both on the Bears at the Lions plus the points. And thanks to Mitch Trubisky in the fourth quarter in that offense and uh, the Bears rallying against a, a woeful Lions team with leads in the fourth quarter. They've been terrible holding leads under Matt Patricia in the fourth quarter of games during his coaching tenure. Uh, the Bears did come away with that 27-23 win in Detroit as we were able to cover as the underdog in that contest. And now we're going to look ahead here to week number two. We did pick the Bears game in that opening segment. John's on the Giants for the side. He likes the under. He likes the Bears to win but not cover. I'm on the under as well for the Bears and the Giants. Sunday noon kickoff at Soldier Field. But I actually like the Bears to win and cover that game. But John, there's some other really good games in the NFL this week. So it is a big one in the Sunday night game as the Raiders again on their own field in Las Vegas for the first time ever. First time in Las Vegas. They are a Team that just relocated there from Oakland during the offseason. They got a new stadium. Big matchup against the Saints. The Raiders are getting points in this one. Four and a half points. The Raiders are plus. So the Saints, a road favorite. The total in this contest is 50. John, I go to you. What are your thoughts on this one, which should be a fun one for the Monday night audience? Well, you mentioned there's not going to be any fans in the stands. And, and that might be a shame because this could have been set up to be a classic stadium opener or new franchise opener letdown, bringing in a very high-powered offense like the Saints, a, a well-oiled machine to open up your stadium is it, a risky play. I do think the Raiders are playing pretty well. I even mentioned them last week, and they got it done in, in week one. So I, I think they're better than a lot of people give them credit for. But overall, I, I think it's going to be hard for them to get the job done on their fresh field in Las Vegas, in, in the desert. So I, I think I'm going to go with the, the Saints in this one. A little bit of trend information for you. Uh, the, the Raiders like to play some games that go under. They've gone under in six of their last eight. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to judge now because they had a, a pretty big home field advantage in Oakland. They've been a pretty good home team as well, seven and three straight up in their last 10 home games. Did they wash that off and, and playing in an, a brand new empty stadium? I guess we'll have to see. But my gut's going to tell me to take the Saints. I'm going to be watching either way. It's always fun to watch it. I, I just don't think the Raiders are going to be able to get it done on Monday night. John, well said on the fact the new stadium is opening in Las Vegas. And I'm going to build on that. This is a huge, huge moment for professional sports in Las Vegas. This is the 
only the second professional of the major sports leagues to, to plant the flag in Las Vegas, so to speak. The Las Vegas Golden Knights a few years ago uh, entering the NHL as an expansion team. But how far Las Vegas as a city has come when you think about 10 years ago, gambling was taboo in sports. Maybe even five years ago in the major sports leagues, they would never think about until the NHL made that move uh, of putting a team or a franchise or doing business in Las Vegas because of, you know, dating back to the Black Sox scandal 100 years ago, throwing the World Series. Gambling was so dangerous for sports. But in the modern era, athletes make so much money. I mean, getting money from gamblers to throw a game, it's not worth it to, to, to do something unethical and pick up 50 or 100 grand for throwing a game when you're making five ten million dollars a season it's just it's risk versus reward so a big moment for vegas with their stadium opening up and i actually think the las vegas raiders are going to cover this number uh they are plus four and a half in this game the saints are a four and a half point favorite i love home underdogs again no energy in the stand so to speak because there's no fans uh but the raiders look pretty good playing albeit not a very good ta- or a carolina panthers team last week but i think the raiders are going to do enough here john gruden and Derek carr on their own feet You mentioned the injury issues with the Saints. And I'm a big situational gambler. When I say that, I mean Vegas at home, first ever game, letdown spot for the Saints, beating Tom Brady and the rival Buccaneers last week at the Superdome. So I think the travel, going to Las Vegas, playing a team on their own field, a little bit of a letdown spot. I don't know if the Saints lose this game. In fact, I think they probably win it, but I think they win it by about a field goal. So give me the Raiders plus the four and a half in their home opener, first-ever franchise game in Las Vegas. Let's look at another one closer to home here, John, as we continue on State Lines. Me, Jason Gotch, along with John Spataro, as I am every week, and John is as well here on State Lines, your co-host, where you get the best gambling information in the state of Illinois. Let's talk about a game between the Detroit Lions. We saw a lot of them that last week watching the Bears. And a lot of Bears fans listening got to see the Lions as well as they, again, did what the Lions do, find ways to lose games. But they are in Green Bay. The Lions are to take on the Packers. The Packers are a five-and-a-half-point favorite here. Over-under is 47-and-a-half. John, you were all over the Packers last week. Great call Minnesota as they won that game outright. How do you see this NFC North showdown shaking out? Well, if you believe in a bounce back game and you believe in, you know, a, a motivated team after the way that they lost to the Bears, you should be all over the Lions and history might be on your side as well. The Lions have not lost against the spread to the Packers in over two years. They are 5-0 and in the last five games while playing Green Bay. So that gives me a little reason to think that although the Packers are the better team and I think they're going to take care of business, it might be worth your while to look at the Lions for a bounce-back spot here. So if there's one thing that Matt Patricia in his three years as a head coach has done, he's been competitive against the Packers. So I'm going to have to lean against the the overwhelming recent history, meaning the last three seasons worth of of the Lions going to Green Bay and playing them at home and and keeping games competitive, more than I want to lean on the immediate history of the the fail that happened last week. So give me the Lions in that game. I'm going against the Packers after they, they took care of business for me last week. I think they're going to find a way to cover. They may even find a way to win, but I, I, I'm not sure enough to, to put a money line bet down just yet. 
It's really interesting, John. As you mentioned, the Lions have played the Packers really tough in recent years, especially at Lambeau Field. There was that stretch, though, from I believe like 1991 or 92 where they didn't win in, in Lambeau for 20 straight years or close to it. And, and that's remarkable because the Lions and Packers play two times a season being in the same division. So Detroit had that awful losing streak in Lambeau Field, but they've been better there in recent years, as you mentioned. And uh, maybe in a different circumstance, I would play the Lions here too, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the Packers. I was really impressed with what Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur did offensively against the Vikings. There were definite flaws in that Detroit Lions game against the Bears, not just the fourth quarter. The Lions missed some other opportunities in that one. So I'm going to jump on the Packers here. I'm going to lay the five and a half. I don't feel great about it, but I feel better than I would putting the money on the Lions, at least here in week two of the season. So I'll, I'll take Green Bay. We'll take a flyer on them, and we'll see if the Packers maybe have added an element to that passing game with Aaron Rodgers that they didn't have last year under Matt LaFleur because LaFleur was very conservative. A lot of running the ball. Rodgers didn't really like that. He had all those years with Mike McCarthy where he was throwing the ball over the field, even though that relationship deteriorated in the end between Rodgers and McCarthy. But uh, maybe it's a new year for the Packers with year two of LaFleur and Rodgers, and we're going to see that offense even thrive more with the passing game. We'll see how that works out in week number two. But give me the Packers in that one against the Lions, minus five and a half. Let's also talk about Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, John, because that was an ugly performance for Tom Brady and, and the Buccaneers at New Orleans, a tough place to play, as we know, even without fans in the stands, not because of the crowd this time around last week, but because the New Orleans Saints, as we mentioned earlier in the segment, are a very, very good football team. So this week, the Buccaneers have their home opener. They're a seven-and-a-half-point favorite against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, all this talk about Brady, Gronkowski, the great wide receivers, Bruce Arians, maybe they're a deep playoff team, maybe they're a dark horse for the Super Bowl, but they're probably going to at least make the playoffs. Well, if the, or if the, uh, if the Buccaneers fall to 0-2, that wouldn't rule them out with an extra playoff team in the NFC this year and AFC three wild cards, but that would really put them against the wall in a tough division, uh, that NFC South. So what do you think here between the Panthers and the Buccaneers? Well, I'm, I'm doing some mental math here to try and figure out how many games into the season it would take for me to count Tom Brady out. And if you have counted him out in the past, it usually hasn't worked out well for you. So I'm going to try to avoid that. Obviously, going on 2 in the division to start the year is not great for anybody. But if there's somebody that I think can crawl out of that hole, I think it's going to be Tom Brady. I have a good pick in this game, though. And again, I'm looking at history. I'm looking at something that I can latch on to. This game screams that it's going over, which, you know... It wouldn't be too surprising with Christian McCaffrey and an offense led by Tom Brady, two very high-profile offenses going at it. This one could have 30 points on each side when it's all said and done. The over for the last six of the last seven games for the Panthers has gone over, and the total for the last 13 of the 15 games for the Buccaneers. Now, that was before Tom Brady arrived. That was the Jameis Winston experience that put up a whole lot of points, both on interception returns and uh, touchdowns for the the Buccaneers, but I still think it'll stand. I, I think this one's going to go over. Um, it's 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 not too incredibly high. It may make a few people uncomfortable at 48, uh, but it, but it's not over 50. Like I said, I could see this being a 35. 30 game or something around there. Give me the over. That's really the only thing I feel super comfortable about picking in this game. 
You heard it from John, his thoughts on the over. Take the over in the Buccaneers and the Panthers. I'm going to go with the Buccaneers here. I'm going to lay the 7.5. It's a lot of points. The hook scares me, but Carolina is in total rebuild mode. Brady and the Buccaneers need this game. I think they take out some frustrations from last week. I think Brady takes out some frustrations in his game. And I think in Florida on Sunday afternoon, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Panthers by more than 7.5 points. So count me in for the Buccaneers in that game. This is State Lines along with John Spataro. My name is Jason Gotcha. When we come back, we're going to go over our Super Bowl picks, something we didn't have a chance to do last week. And also, we are going to get into the rookie of the year on offense after week one. Because, again, these things, it's not like the old days. You go to your online sports book, you go into a sports book, you can bet the Super Bowl every single week, change Super Bowl odds, change all the time. Same thing for the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year Award. Those odds are on constant movement. So we'll talk about that right after this. aboard as we welcome you back to State Lines where you get the best pro football gambling information here in the state of Illinois. Along with John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. You heard us earlier in the program pick some of the games here in week number two. In our final segment coming up a little bit later on, we're going to give you our best bets, three of them each against the spread. John's got three best bets every week. I've got three best bets every week. We give them to our listeners 100% free of charge. And remember, we were each 2-1 and one last week against the spreads with our best bets. Plus, we didn't have the Bears as one of our best bets that game, per, uh, per se, but we did pick it, and we both won, taking the Bears against the spread. So you had 75% winners from both myself and John Spataro. Pretty darn good week when you're betting pro football. Not an easy thing to do. We're hoping to do the same, or maybe even better this week. Who knows? Maybe we could get to a 4-0 and o week or a 7-0 and o week, depending on what games uh, you want to play that we've given you here on the air in week number two. But, John, I want to talk about some futures right now because the way gambling has exploded, not only in the state of Illinois, but nationally, internationally, the odds don't come off the board after the kickoff of week number one for who's going to be in the Super Bowl, who's going to be the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. So let's start off with the Super Bowl. I want to get your thoughts. It's a really tough year to pick the Super Bowl. We had no offseason. We had very little, if any, OTA activity. Most of it was done with Zoom meetings, not actually working out with the coaches there. So I was surprised the football overall was as good as it was in week number one. And maybe that long term will uh, deal a death blow to preseason games or most of them because the NFL can put on the product they did in week number one without having the preseason that a lot of the players don't like and the fans don't like. I know it sells tickets as part of the season ticket package, but long term, who knows what this will do to the preseason, probably shorten it at least. But you look at the Super Bowl way off in the future in early February. Uh, give me your thoughts on who, who you like to go as we talk here entering in week number two. Well, I had a pretty good prediction last year. If you remember, I picked the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl, and I picked them, I believe, to lose to the Saints. So I was good on the AFC side of the card. I didn't obviously have the Super Bowl winner uh, picked right, but I think I'm going to stick with the Chiefs out of the AFC because of what you just said, Jason. It's kind of a weird year. Uh, you know, the, the level of play actually surprised me. I thought it was pretty good across the board. Everyone seemed to be up to speed after not having those four preseason games. But in a season where 
it seems like a little bit of, of the unknown is going to be a, a, a big storyline throughout almost all of the games. I'm going to go with what is known, and I do know that Patrick Mahomes is still Patrick Mahomes. So from the AFC side, I know they're the overwhelming favorite to win the Super Bowl. They're at uh, plus 450 right now for what we're looking at. I think they're going to be back in it. It, it just seems like the AFC is pretty cyclical with, with their representatives. It was, what, either the Colts, Patriots, or Steelers for every year dating back to I don't know, 2000, say for a couple years with the Ravens. So I think that the the Chiefs have just slotted in to be that perennial representative from the AFC. The NFC is a lot more interesting. There's a couple teams on this list. After week one, we have the benefit of seeing them play for one week that I think have some value a little bit deeper down the card. And yes, we are an Illinois show, but I think the Packers at 2,500 to make the Super Bowl out of the NFC and also win is a pretty interesting bet. They looked great, you know, and that's not just because they won me some money in their game in Minnesota. They really did come out swinging and and. While a lot of teams were kind of easing back into it, Rodgers looked great, the receivers looked great, and they beat, again, what was a team that was supposed to be more talented and was favored above them because they were at home. So keep an eye on them. Also, a team that I thought bounced back nicely in prime time in another stadium that was opening for the first time, the Los Angeles Rams. The Cowboys obviously got a lot of attention for what they did, adding some offensive pieces both in the draft and in free agency and, and just kind of building around the big contract that they're about to give Dak Prescott. I have to say, the Rams looked like the better team handedly in that game. I know it was close. I know it came down to kind of a weird pass interference penalty at the end. But the Rams, they were in the Super Bowl the year prior, and they came absolutely nowhere close last year. So maybe they can get back up to, to where they were. They're, they're lower down the tier list at plus 3,500. But again, a great payoff if you believe that they can turn things around. They're no longer playing in a coliseum that was built, uh, I don't know, what, 50 years ago now. They're playing in a brand new modern NFL stadium. They've got their new uniforms. They've finally settled in to LA and live in that LA lifestyle. Give me the Rams as a stretch Super Bowl pick, and let's see if we can make some magic happen out in L.A. I know St. Louis fans will never have any love for Stan Kroenke, the owner who moved the team from St. Louis back to L.A., but that stadium you mentioned, John, they showed a lot of that on the Sunday night game with the Cowboys uh, last week, the national TV game on NBC, and wow, what, what an absolute palace. Uh, that they have built in Southern California for the Rams. And the, the Chargers are Stan Kroenke's tenant, so they can use that stadium too. But uh, it, it really is amazing. And I, I don't think a lot of the other NFL stadiums that are going to be built after that will be able to live up to that standard just because it's so expensive. But it really looks like an outstanding facility. I, Jason Gotch, love your Packers pick, by the way, for the Super Bowl. In fact, that that's my pick from the NFC uh, to go to the Super Bowl. John mentioned a lot of good points, how, how they clicked against the Vikings. They look good. You know, Aaron Rodgers looked like Aaron Rodgers of uh, four or five years ago rather than the last couple of years. And I think Rodgers is so motivated right now because the Packers drafted Jordan Love to be his heir apparent at quarterback when nobody really saw that coming late in the first round of the 2020 NFL draft. You, you think a few more years of Rodgers, you're going to go ahead and you're going to try and draft somebody that's going to be 
he, his heir apparent may be in the later rounds. You try and find a diamond in the rough, but not in the first round. You would think you'd want instant help to try and get Rodgers to another Super Bowl or two, uh, a guy who can start from day one, but that's not what the Packers did. It was similar to 2005 when Brett Favre was on the top of his game, and they brought Aaron Rodgers in late in the first round, and he became a future Hall of Famer when he after he took over for Brett Favre. So it's kind of like deja vu in Green Bay, but I think it's a big motivator for Rodgers and, and what he's going to do on offense this year. So I like the Packers, 25-1 to to go to the Super Bowl. And I want to go away from the Chiefs here. I know that's, that, that's the fashionable play. John likes the Chiefs for good reason. They're, they're definitely a worthy favorite. But it's so hard to repeat as Super Bowl champions or get to the Super Bowl. Everybody's gunning for you when you try and do that. And, look, they're, they're well-positioned to get back there. But I, I'm going to go a little off the grid here and say the Pittsburgh Steelers with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger surprise the football world at a 20 to one, and they get to the Super Bowl this year and they take on the Green Bay Packers. I I, I look at the Steelers. I think they're better defensively this year. I think they're going to be pretty good running the ball as well as a healthy Roethlisberger. The Steelers, when he's been healthy in recent years, have been able to put a lot of points on the board. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Packers and the Steelers. It is state lines. Me, Jason Gotch, along with John Spataro, giving you the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. John, let's look ahead at one of the more fun future bets, at least in my opinion, every year. The NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, because this constantly goes in flux on the betting board. And you look at the board right now, there were some good performances in week number one. Uh, One week into it, what do you think of the odds for the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year award? I remember talking about this last year again when we were looking at the board and Kyler Murray was the overwhelming favorite for most of the year. And there were some cute picks in there. Uh, I remember Josh Jacobs being the running back uh, for the the Raiders coming up and, and making some lists and possibly stealing a rookie of the year away. But in the end, it ended up being Kyler Murray and deservedly so. So this is hard for me to look at it this year and and see any name other than one. And it is not the, the odds-on favorite right now who is Clyde Edwards-Alaire at plus 175, the rookie running back from the Chiefs. I like Joe Burrow, and I know that's very, oh, wow, look, it's the number one overall pick, hotshot quarterback coming into the NFL. But he's at plus 400 right now. So I like that because that's, I think, a little bit better value after this first week when Edwards-Alaire ripped up the NFL and, and scored two touchdowns on his first game uh, with the Chiefs. So because of that valuation... I think Burrow's got some good some good odds there. He's going to be the quarterback for 16 games, you know, provided he doesn't get hurt in Cincinnati all year long. He should have had a win last week. Let's be real. He should be 1-0. And if you can even get, I don't know, to 500 or, or a couple games below 500 as a rookie turning around a team that won, what, two or three games last year? That's rookie of the year material for me. Edwards Alaire is going to put up a lot of numbers if he plays every game, stays healthy, and is in the mix all the way through the season. But the Chiefs got a lot of other things going on than getting him the ball all the time. Burrow's going to have the ball in his hands every single time he takes the field. He's in charge of his own destiny, and he's already got the hype machine behind him to get him across the finish line to be the rookie of the year. So if he was the odds-on favorite, I might not be as enthusiastic. I might just say, well, it's going to be Burrow anyway, so I'm not really interested in in risking money for low odds. But at plus 400 right now as we're recording this show, I think that's a pretty good bet because I feel so strongly about him performing for the year and doing good things and and taking that team to a new level. I I feel like he's going to be a great candidate at the end of the year. Get him as high as you can in terms of odds, which he is right now at plus 400. 
John, I've been doing radio for well over a decade. I'm an opinionated person, as anybody who's ever listened to me knows. I usually have something to add to everything. This might be the first time in my radio career I pretty much say, I agree with everything. I, I really can't disagree with one thing you said, and I really don't have anything to add. I will add a few things, but that's how much I am in agreement with you. D- down to the fact that the Bengals should have won last week over the Chargers. A.J. Green, Joe Burrow leads the final drive in the closing seconds. A.J. Green catches the ball in the corner of the end zone. Should have been a Bengals win. The referees in week number one, a couple terrible calls on pass interference, offensive pass interference calls, and one of them was against A.J. Green. You had him and the DB tangled up hand-to-hand combat. Uh, Nobody really did anything overt. It should have been a a clean play, a touchdown for the Bengals. It gets wiped out by a bad pass interference call on the offense. And then uh, the kicker, Randy Bullock, gets hurt. He misses uh, the potential game-tying field goal. But I was so impressed. That game was on in Chicago. I was so impressed with the way Joe Burrow managed that game and even more so than normal because there were no OTAs. There were no preseason games. The last football action Joe Burrow saw was the national championship game playing for LSU last year against Clemson. He did a remarkably good job against a Chargers team that is a pretty good defense. So I'm with you. Four to one odds on Joe Burrow at this point. Look, he's going to touch the ball in every play for Cincinnati if he's healthy. They're going to give him every opportunity to develop this season. They're not going to bench him for any reason other than injury. And you mentioned, you look at the odds right now, Edwards Hilaire was good for KC. They've got a good role for him. It's hard to bet against him just because of that powerful offense the Chiefs have. But I'm with you. I'm on Joe Burrow four uh, four to one. And I think the Bengals, for all their bad history of doing the wrong thing, I think they found a real keeper in Joe Burrow. I, I think he's going to be the rookie of the year on offense. It's Jason Gotch along with John Spataro here on State Lines. When we come back, we'll recap our Bears pick for those of you just joining the show. And also, we'll each give you three best bets against the spread as we look to give you more winners this week. Back with more of State Lines right after this. State Lines for week number two, where you get the best pro football gambling information in the state of Illinois. Along with John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. We've got our best bets, three of them each. Three from John, three from me, against the spread for week number two, coming up here in just a few minutes. But first, for the listeners just joining us, John, why don't you give a quick recap of your thoughts on the Bears game against the Giants at Soldier Field on Sunday with the Bears a five-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. Uh, the total right now at 43. And again, you're 1-0 picking Bears games. You had the Bears on the side last week plus the points against Detroit. Yeah, I like the Bears last week to cover that spread. I don't know necessarily if I love the five and a half number this week. It just doesn't give me enough confidence to think that the Bears are going to be able to pull away from the Giants late in the game. I think that we've we've started to figure out a little bit about this offense is that it's streaky and comes in spurts, meaning when they do score, it's going to be two or three touchdowns in a half. It's not a sustained, successful offense for four quarters, and that leads me to believe you're going to win or lose a lot of games late, and that's exactly what I think is going to happen in uh, Soldier Field this weekend. So I'm going to stay away from the spread from this game. I I think the Bears are going to win. I think the Giants would come My best bet of the Bears game, these are not one of my three best bets coming up, but I think is going to be the under. This screams a 17-14 or a 20-17 game to me. 
All right, there you have it from John. He is on the Giants on the side, likes the Bears to win outright, is taking the under in the game of 43. I'm with John on the under. I, I like the under as well. I look at this as a one of those 27-13, 24-10 type of games. I don't think Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, is going to be able to get much going against that Bears defense. Saquon Barkley's a great running back, but he didn't do much against the Steelers in the Monday night game. The Giants opening night loss back on Monday to Pittsburgh in New Jersey. And Barkley might be able to do a little bit against that Bears defense. But overall, I think uh, that Bears defense is going to be too good for the Giants total package on offense. So I'm going to go under in this one. I, I think the Bears defense might have set up a short field. Daniel Jones did throw two picks in the loss to the Steelers last week. I could see a short field or two for that Bears offense. So, I, I, again, I look at this as a 27-13, 24-10, 24-13 type of football game. And with that said, I'm going to differ from John on the side. I'm going to take the Bears. I'm going to lay the five and a half. A little bit risky here. This is more of a bet against the Giants than it is a bet on the Bears. 43, and again, 1-0 for my Bears picks last week as I had the Bears. Just took the side last week, didn't touch the total. So, John, let's move on to our three best bets of the week. I know this is what the listeners have been waiting for. We were each 2-1 and one with our best bets last week, 3-1 and one overall with our picks. So, a lot of pressure on both of us here on State Lines. People hear a couple guys on the radio at 75% winners. They gave them out absolutely free in week number one. We do it each and every week. We're not charging you any money for our picks. We're giving you our knowledge. We're giving you our best insight. Win or lose, we don't lie to you. We tell you exactly what we did the previous week. So, John, the floor is yours. Go ahead, take it away, and deliver some winners for our audience. Well, thank you, Jason, and I certainly hope these are three more winners. I'm feeling pretty good about them, and, and, and I think that uh, one of them is going to surprise you. I'm going to start uh, with the team that I picked against last week, and I'm going to pick in favor of them this week. I'm talking about the Atlanta Falcons. Look, the Cowboys have a ton of expectations. They do not want to go 0-2. They are playing in Jerry World in front of no fans at a giant scoreboard, but I don't think that they're going to have enough to stop the Falcons. It just seems like a game to me that Matt Ryan uh, comes out to play and Todd Gurley uh, a very quiet opening week for him and a new team and you know back in his, his home state of Georgia didn't have enough to get it done against the Seahawks I predicted the Seahawks were going to win because I think they're just a really good team I don't think the Cowboys are a really good team I think they're a little bit of smoke and mirrors I think they're they're set up for another eight and eight type year I, I don't really see them pulling away in the in the NFC East uh, again this year it's going to be a log jam like it usually is. So I'm going to back off the Cowboys and I'm going to put some money on the Atlanta Falcons to cover the spread. They are just under a touchdown underdog at this point at minus six and a half. If that goes above a touchdown, which is unlikely, but if you can find it like we talked about before, if you're scanning through the multiple apps that are available to bet on now in Illinois and you see that get above a touchdown, I would jump all over it. I do not believe that the Cowboys are going to be able to beat the Falcons by more than one touch. It sounds like a field goal game to me on either side. It's possible that the Falcons run away with this one and, and leave the Cowboys in their dust. So I'm going to take the Falcons at plus six and a half. This is my surprise game, and it's going to sound like a sucker bet, but I promise you I have some history to back it up. The Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans are playing in Nashville on Sunday, and the over-under in that game is 43. Now, the spread in that game is close to 11 points in in favor of the Titans. So if you do the math on that one, it's expecting very low offensive output for the Jaguars. I don't think that's going to be the case. In the last 
Four of five games when the Jaguars have gone to Nashville, the over is hit. In the last six of nine games in Nashville between these two teams, the over is hit. And even in just the last five of six games that Tennessee has played at their home stadium, the over is hit. So hit me with the over. Let's see some points on the board in the Music City. I love it. And even though it might be a, a, you know, a, a battle of two teams that most people don't watch on a Sunday on a regular basis, you can always root for points. So give me the over in Tennessee and Jacksonville. And then my best bet of the weekend, and this one doesn't have too much history behind it, but it's just a game that I feel like is going to get them. I'm talking about the Kansas City Chiefs going to L.A. and opening quote-unquote, the Chargers' new stadium, which was opened last week by the Rams. They are over a touchdown favorite, are the Chiefs, at eight and a half points. And I think that is too much. I think the Chargers last year, when they were playing at that soccer stadium in L.A., had a couple games where they came out to play and stifled offenses for some reason sometimes unexplainably so. And this, to me, sounds like a game early in the year where I think the Chiefs have big expectations. I myself have big expectations for them, as I just talked about in the last segment. This seems like a game that they could lose. I don't know if I'm ready to put all the money on the money line for the Chargers, which would be a nice payout, but I am going to take the Chargers against the spread as my best bet of the week. They are getting eight and a half points. I think there could be a garbage time touchdown in there or a couple garbage time scores that could make that game closer than it should be. Or it could be a stinker, which we've seen from the Chargers opponents before when they're playing in L.A. So to recap, I've given my picks of the week. Give me the Falcons as six and a half point dogs on the road in Dallas. Give me the over in Tennessee, Jacksonville, and give me the Chargers plus eight and a half against the Chiefs at home in Los Angeles. All right, John Spataro is locked in with what I am sure are some really good winners right there, especially at least one game because I'm with John. I, Jason Gotch, joined John Spataro. I really like the Falcons, too, plus the six and a half. Look, I am not as high as a lot of people are on Dak Prescott. Quality guy, character individual, but he has not shown me that he's a franchise quarterback. He reminds me a lot of Kirk Cousins, where he puts up a lot of good numbers. You get enamored with his, his overall talent, but in the end... His teams don't necessarily do all that well. And he wants big money just like Cousins did with the Redskins, the team that was known at the Redskins at that point. They didn't. They paid him the big money on the franchise tag a couple of years in a row. Then they parted ways with him. Now he's with the Vikings. He's a good quarterback, but he's not the franchise quarterback that's going to take you on his own to the Super Bowl. He's the type of guy who's along for the ride on a really good team. Mike McCarthy is a head coach. I keep hearing how he changed his whole philosophy sitting out one year. I watched all those years of the Packers. Good, but not great coach in my opinion, even though he won a Super Bowl. And the Falcons, I think, are underrated. They lost to a really good Seahawks team. I was on them last week. They did not cover that game at home in Atlanta with no fans in the stands. But, I, again, I'm not that high on Dallas. I think Atlanta's got a very explosive offense with Matt Ryan, uh, Ridley, and also Julio Jones at wide receiver. Todd Gurley, when he's healthy, is one of the best backs in the game. Give me the Falcons here plus the 6.5. It wouldn't surprise me at all, like John said, if they won this game outright in Dallas. I'm also going to go ahead and take the Houston Texans this week as one of my locks of the week as I'm going to go ahead and take the Texans 
plus the six and a half over the Ravens. I love home dogs in the NFL, even with no fans in the stands. Uh, the Ravens were the beneficiary at home last week of playing what I think is still a pretty bad Cleveland Browns team. Baker Mayfield has regressed a lot. Uh, their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, is a new guy in the NFL with the, with the Browns, so he had a disadvantage going in coaching his first ever game. The Texans are an explosive team. You look at a guy like Deshaun Watson, they still got a pretty good offense with David Johnson running the ball. I know no more Hopkins. He's, of course, he was in that trade to get Johnson there. They traded him to the, the Cardinals. So you don't have the, the, the superstar wide receiver like you did last year, but it's still a good offense and on their own field. The Texans don't even have to win. They just got to cover the six and a half. So give me the Texans plus the six and a half. And my other pick, I'm not doing a lock. I'm going to say these are my three best bets. I think you're going to win at least two of them, hopefully three. I'm going to go with the New England Patriots and Cam Newton in Seattle against the Seahawks. Kind of a sluggish start for the Patriots last week in Miami against the Dolphins. But keep in mind, the Dolphins always, no matter who the coach or quarterback is, they always seem to play the Patriots tough. They cost the Patriots a first-round playoff by last year with a win in Week 17, the the, the the Miami Dolphins got that against the Patriots, and that proved costly because the Pats ended up losing that first-round playoff game at home to the Titans last year, Tom Brady's last-ever game with New England. But I think Cam Newton and company might surprise with an upset, and even if they don't, I think they keep this game close against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. So give me the Patriots plus the four, the Texans plus the six-and-a-half, and the Falcons plus the six-and-a-half as my three best plays of the week. That will do it for another edition of State Lines. For John Spataro, my name is Jason Gotch. Enjoy the winners, and we'll talk to you next week with our Week 3 program, everybody. This show is for entertainment purposes only. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.